We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome to Booth Review presented by Emprise Bank. You can open an account with Emprise Bank in less than five minutes. The savings just start there, though. Emprise is a trusted partner with a variety of products and services to help you achieve your goals. Don't be tethered to a brick building. Start a meaningful relationship with a bank that has your best in mind. That's Emprise Bank member FDIC, our partner in Possible. Uh, they've been absolutely wonderful to work with. It's been wonderful working with uh, Scott Chasen. Uh, find him on Twitter at Jason Scott. And our guest already shaking his head. No, Kent, Kent, I saw this coming. And when I heard meaningful relationship, I was like, that's what Kent is going to say. I also predicted the Swain eye roll. This is Michael <laughs> Swain joining us. He does an amazing job covering Kansas for 24-7 sports. Michael, I believe you are M Swain 247 Is that correct? Yep, still the same one. So you can find him on Twitter. And Michael, it's great to have on the podcast for a couple of reasons, one of which is he covered Iowa State, who is Kansas's next opponent. So I know, Kent, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about KU. But I want to ask you guys about something that Lance Leipold said today that, Kent, we've kind of been debating in Twitter DM messages, which is that uh, Lance Leipold basically said, if KU gets too concerned about the stuff happening outside the program, the rankings, what people think nationally, that this success will be, quote, just a blip. He said that a couple of times in a couple different answers. Where do you guys think uh, the program is at? What, do you, what are you expecting to see? And, and Kent, we talked about this. Michael, if you want to go first, what do you think about how KU handled expectations in the last game? I've been impressed with the way they've been able to do it so far because obviously this is a program that hasn't had to deal with a lot of success. And I think you look back at recent history and you know the last kind of pseudo-successful team, 2019, wasn't really great after wins. You think about that Texas Tech game and the K-State game that followed, you know, that was a team that didn't really deal with success that well. And I think you look at Lance Lapple bringing some of those Buffalo guys in, right? You look at the team captains, Mike Nowitzki, Rich Miller, you know, guys that were at Buffalo and dealt with success there. I think it starts with the head coach and the assistant coaches too, all knowing how to handle success and having a lot of it, especially at, you know, you think about D3 level, Wisconsin Whitewater, they went three seasons without losing a game. Like, that's pretty impressive. And so you learn how to deal with winning then. 
And I think just the player-led culture allows you to deal with it. So I've been pretty impressed so far. And even if guys are talking about it on Twitter on Sunday, I don't think it's something that bleeds into practice or things that they're really thinking about when you really get in kind of the heart of the game week. I uh, I thought they handled expectations pretty well this week, honestly. I. I, it felt I don't I mean I was there at the booth we were all there at the booth I believe yeah. right I mean you it was guys a party were, at the booth everyone in town was. everyone in Kansas was at the booth Kent you, you guys were in the press box probably eating free popcorn or or whatever <laughs> I was paying you know to stand in line for mine um but I I uh I don't know I I thought that I thought the expectations you could kind of feel it if I if that makes sense like mm-hmm. I I feel like you could kind of feel it in the stands like the 50,000 people there were just dying to celebrate. They were dying to celebrate something. And I think it started a little tense at first. I kind of think the Daniel Highshaw run, the big, the big catch. I don't know if we talked about this on the show or not, yeah, but did, I, I think that's what busted, busted through a little mm-hmm. bit and just kind of made it a little bit normal. I think things were a lot more normal for the most part after that, obviously defense let him back in a little bit and stuff like that. But I kind of feel like that was the just that was the play that kind of changed some things. And I know that there's expectations still for this program. And I, I was going to talk about this today a little bit, but I kind of wonder, and we'll get to the predictions in the Iowa State game a little bit here, but like I kind of feel like this is the perfect cocktail to of 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 where this, you know, where this team should be sitting right now. Of hey, they're not ranked, they didn't get ranked, so you got the disrespect. They're not ranked, so you're not getting the national attention of being ranked. And they're probably a little upset about that. They've gotten through and they've broken through that wall of expectations a little bit where I think this next game might be a little bit easier for them to navigate emotionally and this week might be easier to handle than the Duke game, even though this is a more difficult football team that to be preparing for. I think like emotionally I could see this actually being a decent kind of space for the for KU to be in honestly yeah I think you both made points that are kind of where I'm at like Michael what you brought up about the Buffalo guys who transferred you know who came with Lance Leipold and joined this team like uh, locker rooms are not homogenous there are going to be 10-15 guys in that locker room who are paying attention to every single thing that's going on with uh, rankings and national media and oh we didn't end up on sports center that's annoying and texting everyone there's going to be 10-15 guys who just don't care and then there's a bunch of other guys who are going to be in between and maybe more of both categories. But I tend to think those Buffalo guys have done a really good job of like settling people down, making them kind of helping them get through the sort of week to week grind and understand things. Kent, I think you're right. I think Kansas not being ranked, not getting all that national budget mm-hmm. buzz gives them a chip. It gives them something to work with. And I'm still a little bit concerned. Michael, you mentioned 2019. I feel like I've covered enough KU teams that win one game and then the next week lay an egg and you hear that they like took an opponent lightly. And I know you're in the same boat. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a little bit concerned about that. I'm not super concerned. Any, any level of concern there with you that, that this might be a week where KU gets a little bit of a reality check. I think it will be to some degree, because I think if you were to ask Iowa state fans, they'd tell you the same thing you just said about Kansas, where Iowa state fans look at Kansas right now and, and say, Hey, they're getting all the national love. Everyone's picking them to cover the three and a half point spread. You know, they're picking them to, you know, go deep in big 12 plays of maybe a big 12 dark horse. And I think from their perspective, it's all right, let's go in and and ruin that party. And I think equally for Kansas, they do have the chip on their shoulder. And I think the two, this team can be good when they do have that chip on their shoulder. I don't think they've maybe been in that position a ton at this point. 
where they've been kind of the, the team that has been slighted in some way because in the past it's been zero expectations like last year. And so far this year, it's you're playing as house money. So it's definitely a different situation than I think they've been in, in any other week this season. And it makes it really interesting because I think you do look at the leadership of the team, right? Jalen Daniels does not care about this stuff. I can tell you that pretty soundly. You know, you think about him, they're the leaders on defense. They're guys that just don't care. Like Craig Jones at Ohio State, and he understands what it's like to be ranked and in the college football playoff. And yet I don't think he's going to be too caught up about this. So I think they have the leadership to work with it, but I do still agree that this is a different spot than I think they've been in all season. I But – the 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 guys you're outlining are exactly the guys that you want not paying attention to that kind <laughs> of sure. thing. You know the, the you, you mentioned player led program. We don't use that word very often around here, but that I mean that is one of the mantras that Lance Leipold tries to instill in this and part of this culture is making it player led. Well, the leadership of this this program does seem to have a really good head on their shoulders and. I mean, yeah, like, and that the Buffalo point's great because I think they were there when Buffalo, Mike Davitsky and and Rich Miller were there when Buffalo was ranked. I mean, they 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 are not unfamiliar with some level of expectation, and so it, yeah. And Jalen Daniels' response, I think Lance Leipold might have even made some kind of comments about uh, Jalen's leadership in the last week or so, kind of in that same type of vein. And I, I mean, Swain might have asked the question. We're Swain, Swain, what like were we thirteen in two thousand nineteen? Oh, 13 hours. <laughs> Ken well, I, wasn't, I wasn't able to drink. How about that? I was, I was about to say, like, what high school newspaper were you writing for 2019? <laughs> you guys are both, like, just, you guys are the, both. Kent you. does this every time. By the way, I just had a birthday. Kent didn't wish me happy birthday Ooh. because he doesn't want to acknowledge that I'm approaching him in age and expertise, clearly. Here's the uh, thing, Scott. When, when you when you get a year closer to me, I'm just right right behind you, just <laughs> just just getting farther away from you still uh i'm in my 30s by the way like this is just oh. i know and that's Swain, the much less iconic mike gundy quote by the way he said i'm he 33 said come after me <laughs> swain you're gonna love your 20s buddy uh i can't believe how good you are at this but I, I you know uh scott already got to you know say all the wonderful things about you but i'm genuinely i'm a subscriber uh to 24 7 and i am an immense fan of your work so i was very excited that we got you on just like you know just no i appreciate wonder, it. wonder kid you know uh <laughs> oh, anyway <gosh>. sorry <laughs> all right well hey let, let's i want to talk a little football here real quick because that lance said something today too he said that if ku he basically i'm paraphrasing but if ku plays iowa state like they played duke they're gonna get beat mm-hmm. um and he kind of implied that they would get beat in other games too sure. I, I rewatched the game today i actually rewatched. Ken, I know you did too, um, uh, both this one and the Iowa State one today. Uh, so I had a very productive day, if you guys were wondering. Um, <laughs> no, I, I noticed a few things. I, I did think early Mike Nowitzki and Jared Casey, per usual, were like dominant at blocking. But I thought the blocking had some problems as the game went on. I even thought Mike Nowitzki allowed a pressure at one point um, where he allowed a guy to kind of cross in front of him and get right by him and, and put pressure on Jalen Daniels. We haven't really seen that. Um, I thought the cornerbacks tackled. Kent, we talked about af- that after the game. I thought schematically KU did some good things at times, but I also thought Jalen made some questionable decisions with the, you know, when to give, when not to give, or maybe, maybe Duke was just better scouted for it. Where do you guys see Kansas right now? Um, you know, beyond being four and oh, is first of all, is Kansas just like a good football team? Because I think the answer is yes to that, but how good and, and where do you kind of see them in the big 12? Well, I think they're a team that hasn't played their best game yet. I think it's a really good spot to be in if you're 4-0 and you still haven't played your best football yet. I think you look at 
offensively, you know, Jalen Daniels each week is showing you something different. And I think that's really impressive, right? On Saturday, it was kind of his arm talent that he really flashed. And I do agree, Scott, that some of those gives and reads, he maybe wasn't the sharpest. But I think also going into the game, you knew that Duke was going to be the most well-drilled team KU was going to face to this point. Because as we saw with Houston, they really weren't well-drilled and they got a fight on the sideline. And you go to West Virginia (laughs) and their defensive coordinator sat up the next Tuesday talking about, yeah, we didn't know it was coming. So you kind of knew that this was going to be the test for the option game and how it works. And I'm sure we'll talk about Iowa State and, and how that fits there. But I think that it's a good position to be in for Kansas, where offensively they're putting up 30 points every game. They're going to walk off the bus and score 30. And yet there's still points in the game where you can look at the offense and say, wow, there's a lot of room for improvement. I think for a coaching staff, too, like this one, I'm sure they're going to love that. Like Andy Koldenecki is probably licking his chops at that because he can go in and say, hey, guys, we weren't perfect. We need to work on this, this, and this. And we still scored 35 and probably could have scored over 40 as well. You know, you think about fumble in the red zone, you know, at the goal line, getting a stand there. And I think defensively, it's just one of those deals where as, as the season goes along, they're going to get better. You know, they've got a new piece in Craig Young. He's playing a really complex position at the Hawk spot. And mm-hmm. I think that that is one that as the season goes along and he gets more comfortable, I think he's going to have a bigger and bigger impact. And I think as the secondary gets more comfortable playing together, because as much as OJ Burroughs played last year, he wasn't necessarily the down in down out starter. And you look at Jacoby Bryant or Melo Dotson, those two guys were rotating for each other. So you've got a whole secondary I think is trying to find a groove. And so the fact that he's in the spot is just it's obviously foreign, but it's just a good position to be in for any football team. You haven't lost yet, and yet there's still a lot of room for improvement. I think this offense has to have at least a B-plus performance every week moving forward for them mm-hmm. to be competitive. And so like the bar to clear for the offense is, I think, very high. I think this is always going to be a team that's going to run through its offense. I, they, they'll go as far as that offense can take them. Can they go toe-to-toe? Because they're going to be in some shootouts. Um, they're going to be in some games where the margin for error is just not going to be particularly big. Like, and I think that's the case, you know, kind of moving forward, especially getting into the teeth of, the, of Big 12. Now, the good news is I think that that offense will go nuts a couple times this <laughs> in the next eight games. I don't expect it to be, you know, tamed all too much, con- you know, all too consistently. Um, I, I think, yeah, Duke was a different challenge for this group, I think, in a lot of different ways. Um, I think they were willing to play a little bit more downhill. I think they were attacking the ball and playing with great discipline and trying to be physical at the point of attack to your point, Swain. I actually think, though, watching back a little bit, I'm not going to say KU was vanilla, but they were probably a little bit more vanilla offensively than that they've been in the last few weeks. And yeah, I think it was a little bit more traditional drop back. So if you want to talk about the quote unquote wrinkle that we saw this week, I think a little bit more drop back. Hmm. They threw a few things out there that, you know, we talk about time stealing all the time here on this show. They're, the two QB stuff's going to steal some time and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think I think Duke did a good job of taking some things away from Kansas. I think Kansas held some stuff back. So, like, there's a little bit of me that, you know, I, I, can, I expect this offense to continue to evolve. I still think that they have probably enough to catch a few people, a few teams, you know, here or there, and it mm-hmm. might even start at Iowa State. I think there's some. I think there's some places they could take this offense mm-hmm. potentially, mm-hmm. where they could, you know, they could surprise even an Iowa State defense a little bit. So, um, I I don't know. I, I think it's always just going to fall on the offense. I think the defense is going to perform capably, but I don't know if there's a ceiling high enough for this defense 
to kind of carry this team moving forward. And I think that's where it's going to get a little hairy uh, for the, for the remainder of the season. Honestly, you said B plus. I, I kind of feel like KU was at a B plus uh, against Duke. Uh, Ooh, no, I'll, I think, I'll push back a little bit. I actually, think I think a Jaylen, bit lower than that. Oh, okay. I, well, I was going to say, I, I think the hmm. thing that brings it up was I thought Jalen was so pinpoint in yeah. big moments with how he threw the ball, but yeah, the rest of the offense, like it's funny, the best executed play of the game I wrote it down because I really liked the play. It was, it might've been the first play of the game. Like Katie yeah. Green, a, tri- a triple option counter, Jared Casey kind of went in, broke out as a lead blocker. They handed it off. I think it was Devin Neal. He got a first down run on first down. And after that, I was like, I'm not sure KU actually executed a single play where like every single guy really after the first drive of the game, like the offensive line was moving people. Duke wasn't in maybe the best spots. And when they were KU's playmakers made plays, um, I did think it was a little bit downhill from there after that. That's why I'm kind of really interested in this game uh, because I saw an Iowa State defense that swarmed to the ball, that that got there more often than not. But you even heard Matt Campbell talk about this today. Like, Iowa State was probably really unhappy with, like, eye discipline and players just doing their job in that game against Baylor, including mm-hmm. on a, a trick play. They got burned deep a couple of times. They let somebody run by them, and maybe the quarterback didn't make a throw or see it and get it to them. I can, I said this to you earlier today. I don't expect that to be a problem again because it showed up last week, which means for KU, then you have to execute so much better just to get to that point. I think that's kind of the one thing I'm looking at is if Iowa state shows up and plays the option, right. And has guys in the right positions, what counters can KU throw back at them to maybe exploit that a little bit? Well, and I, Oh, you got ghost, go, go swing. By well, just on the Iowa state subject. I think that defense is one that with the secondary, especially it lends itself to a lot of busted coverages. It just mm-hmm. happens. It's why, I, you know, Iowa state fans want to gouge their eyes out at it because a lot of times guys just get beat deep. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw that against Baylor a little bit. And yeah. I think that's just going to be a part of it where there's going to be a busted coverage on Saturday. I think it's just going to come down to can Jalen Daniels find the guy and make that pinpoint pass to take advantage of it. Cause they are a defense that is pretty young and just a team overall that's young. So I kind of do expect some mistakes to pop up. Can, can I, I just want to jump in on that real quick. I got to give Jalen Daniels credit for something. I didn't see it uh, when it happened in real time, third down throw to Quentin Skinner end oh. of the game, that first down. What I did not realize was the defender trailing him slipped and Jalen Daniels threw that ball. At first I thought he threw it in danger. Didn't like the throw, even though it was completed just because it was such a risky throw. Um, he threw it like 0.1 seconds after that guy stumbled. So just to your point on that, Swain, like Jalen was looking for that or, or looking for the, the breakout of the route. And the second the guy slipped, he identified it and found it. So I think that bodes well for Kansas, at least. I think he throttled that. I think we talked about it during the postgame show. I think he actually throttled that th- down or throttled his receiver down a little bit too with that throw to keep him from getting hit too, too hard with some of that <laughs> yeah. interior coverage. Um, but I, we were talking, so like I, I don't, I don't want to get too nerdy about. I mean, we can get a little nerdy if we run. Get a little nerdy, about, Ken. We can get a little bit because I think I'm watched. I, I watched this game a little bit differently. Uh, in the preparation was a little bit different for me because, like, I think we have enough sample size of this offense. This team has cleared so many obstacles that I'm kind of looking at, you know, I, I'm looking a little differently at these games, the, the game prep, right? And with Iowa State. This is like I think this is the biggest game. We said last week was the biggest game in in Kansas history for a long time. <laughs> this one 
tops it now because mm-hmm. of, of what's happened. This is this is a very defining moment, I think, for this season. Because um, I think if, if, if KU wins, like it's no longer just, oh, I hope they get to six. It's like, okay, what, what's, what's, what's the ceiling here, right? Yeah. Um, so Iowa State's defense, and Swain was there. They, they play this tight front. They play a three-down look. They're going to keep three defensive linemen basically inside the tackles. They're going to play inside shades of, of the offensive tackles. Um, they're going to play a nose very frequently. It's a tight front. You're going to see it's going to really kind of look and present like light boxes uh, for technically four players in the box a lot of times, but there's a lot of overhangs. There's a five deep shell, but that shell's ready to fly down and sp- and get downhill to defend the run, right? And so one of the principles of of this tight front is they're they're really they're they're forcing you to spill everything wide outside of your tackles. A lot of your runs have to wind up outside of your tackles. It's really hard against that front to be able to kind of run downhill, run in between the tackles the way you want. So it's going and it, it can it can be difficult to pull your guards. You gotta get you've got to change some things about who you're pulling even like these are the these are the things that this defensive front presents the problems for right well i i think they've got there's they're gonna have to adjust some things i think that they can still operate with some of their base principles that they have in the past like i still think that they have the ability to to run some of this option look and, and to run some of this it's just gonna be who they key off of how they can slow down those 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 tackles, uh, the defensive tackles that are playing kind of inside the offensive tackles. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see if how they're able to run because teams don't have a great a lot of great success against this Iowa State front running, uh, but also what wrinkles they're able to present to get onto the edge. I told Scott I think this could be a Sevy Morrison game uh, because of the speed out on the edge and helping mm. you know. He's a guy I look and I'll just I'll throw one of the concepts I really like out of here. We saw KU run in that empty look with, you know, the empty formation, but the backs still on the field jet motion. You've got, you know, Jared Casey, right. You know, one and one off of the off of a tackle. I think that look could be something you see from Kansas this week, trying to spread, trying to get down to the edge. But then you brought it up, Swain. I know I'm going long. I'm just I've been thinking about this all day. Um, you talked about coverage, right? I think this could be a Jalen Daniels passing game again. I think they, I think mm-hmm. a lot of what teams are doing, and, and this is why Iowa State's so great, is they are making teams a lot more one dimensional. I think this is one of those games where you're going to need Jalen Daniels to create with his legs when the play breaks down, but try to complete some big passes. Like, I think those are, those are kind of the elements I'm looking at and how this is going to be a very fascinating big game for this offense because they can't line up. They, they're they just can't line up and beat them like they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get creative and try to get some Mm -hmm. of these guys out on the edge we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And you look at the – I like that you mentioned the passing thing because I – not to my horn, but this is where the expertise comes in. I, this is the best secondary KU's going to play so far this year. You look at West Virginia and Houston, right? Their strength was not their secondary. It was the defensive line or front seven. Tennessee Tech doesn't count. And last week, Duke's starting cornerback was Daytron Young, who got run off at Iowa State. So you're looking at this Iowa State secondary. They've got a starting corner in TJ Tamp, a six-foot-two, really long, hyper-athletic. Played basketball in high school, had a, a dunk that went viral because everyone said it looked like LeBron James. And then Miles <laughs> Purchase is a true sophomore who pushed for playing time over Daytron Young last year. And then they also moved their best corner from last season to go play field safety. So you've basically got three cornerbacks now that are playing in that defensive backfield out of those five defensive backs. And so I think this is going to be a really tough test for K's wide receivers. I've been really impressed with the way they've played so far this season. I think they've been one of the almost – unsung parts of the offense because I think going into the season, the question was, all right, well, how are you going to replace Kwame Lasseter? They've done it by committee and yeah. that's been really impressive. And so I think this week is going to be really big. And I think it's going to be a good litmus test for this wide receiver room, because I just think these Iowa state corners are just purely more talented than KU's gone against this season. And if we show up in Saturday afternoon, those wide receivers getting free, that shows us that, Hey, when you go and play in Oklahoma state, your wide receiver should be able to get some separation. And I think what you mentioned too about the defensive front is fascinating because Iowa State's playing with three Mike linebackers. Colby Reader, their Sam linebacker, who's doing kind of like the Mike Rose role for those that pay attention to Iowa State in the past. Like, Overhang, yeah. yeah. He's, kinda, he's yeah. outside the box, but he's, he's still a backer. <laughs> exactly, but he's a Mike. And yeah. the issue is if you go four wide, all of a sudden he's going to have to cover a slot receiver. All right, you have a mismatch there. Well, then you look at Jerry Vaughn, he's playing in the boundary. He was a Ryan Vance's, the Mike linebacker. He was his backup last year. So you're looking at the team having basically three Mike linebackers, three down linemen. So I think you're right. Speed is where this game will be won. And I'm fascinated to see how Daniel Highshaw does in this because I like Daniel Highshaw a lot, and I think he's fun to watch. And interesting to see how he fits into this because obviously I think speed isn't his biggest asset. You saw him almost get caught on that 73-yard catch and run on Saturday. He got caught a few times, Michael, like on a few different runs where it was like, oh, he's got a crease, but he just couldn't kind of get through there. And he doesn't have the breakaway speed. So I think it's just a fascinating matchup defensively versus Kay's offense. The thing that Daniel Hyshaw has, though, that I think will be valuable in this game in particular, though, is um, you you can run downhill, but there's a lot of tough yardage. You know, there's a lot of tough yardage because the, the, the way that tight front works is it allows that back end of your defense to get downhill very quickly and dip down here downhill with a lot of violence the good thing that daniel highshaw does have is it's the tough yards hmm. he's the one best capable of getting the tough yards that are kind of a little bit more of that downhill variety right and like you're still gonna need to try to ram it you know a little bit you're gonna have to try to get your downhill runs going a little bit and I think Daniel Highshaw is the guy that's probably the best equipped to handle the kind of pressure, the kind of contact, the kind of physicality that you're going to see 
um, when you are running a little bit more of that downhill run. Cause like you can't just avoid it all together. You've got to do it a little bit and you got to do it enough. And that's where I think like Highshaw is probably the best equipped to be able to be that guy for this game. This would be a nice game to have a little bit of Kai Thomas there too. I will say this, you know, he's a guy that can handle a little bit of physicality. He's a little bit of a bigger back too. That would have been a nice guy to have in this game. Yeah. Michael, I, I know you talked to Lance today. Did, did he say anything about Kai? He gave a funny answer. He's like, he asked what the most vague answer he'd give was. And oh, so yeah, did, lower. He said it's a lower extremity. So I guess we're playing yeah. hockey now. Um, <laughs> no, he says day-to-day. I think it's one of those things where you see how he does. The way Lance said on Saturday, it sounded like it's one of those deals where he's going to warm up and see how it feels. And it seemed like Saturday it wasn't a good day for whatever that lower extremity injury is. So it's one of those where we'll see on Saturday if he's warming up and if he's looking good because – if he feels good, I think he'll play. And I think KU could need that. We don't know how Devin Neal's feeling. And then outside of that, you just need as many backs as you can get against a physical team like Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to shout out actually Devin Neal for one thing before I ask ask you, Swain, about the uh, the Iowa State offense. But he had a plan of fourth down that, Ken, I don't think we talked about after the game, where they got the ball to him quick and he had to – I mean, it was like a fourth and three or something. Fourth and three, they threw in the flat. Yeah, and, and he had to fight through either like a safety or a corner oh. or someone – and, and he just dragged the guy. And mm-hmm. I thought, I, I don't know. I think that was probably before he got dinged up. I know he came back in at the end of the game. But I, I thought that was a really impressive play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a difference in between doing that against the defensive back and then doing the Daniel Highshaw bowling ball, um, you know, down the middle of the line of scrimmage. So, no, that one stood out. I, I wanted to ask you about Hunter Deckers, though. Um, when I watched Iowa State Baylor – I got a very strong vibe, and this is one game, so it's why I want to ask you. I got a very strong, they don't trust this guy to take the game into his own hands. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to give him one read and go kind of vibe from him. I didn't see a whole lot of, like, oh, he's going to drop back. They're going to max protect. He's going to cycle through a few guys. I saw a lot of, like, let's get the ball out of his hands really quickly. And honestly, probably should have had a couple picks in that game. I was not very impressed with Hunter Deckers. I'm curious where you're at with him. I think Brock Purdy is a good frame of reference. I think Tom Manning, their offensive coordinator, has trust issues, period. (laughs) Um, You look at Brock Purdy, right? Best quarterback in program history. And he was still a game manager as a senior. And you're looking at him now being the backup on the 49ers. That shows that he's incredibly talented. And he just wasn't, you know, there's a saying right in the NFL, right? Let Russ cook or, you know, they didn't let Brock Purdy cook. And he was very limited. And I think that's what they're doing with Hunter Deckers too, because he's just a young guy. And, at this point, he's more talented than Brock Purdy was, has a stronger arm, better athletically. He's a guy that in, within the Iowa State program, they were excited about going back to last year. I remember and, you saying that, by the way. I remember you talking him up specifically, yeah. like way in advance of this. And the whole staff, the whole time has been, you know, we're really happy of Brock. He's great, but the next guy coming in might have the ability to be better. Mm-hmm. And now what you're seeing is a guy that's coming in that has the talent, but doesn't have the mental part of it fixed yet. And so I think that's what you're seeing is they're a little scared to let him rip it because he's turnover prone when he does. I haven't looked like what the interceptable balls he's thrown yet, but I think five picks so far this season. I mean, KU's going to have a chance to pick off a, a pass from Hunter Deckers or two. It's just a question if they catch it because he's going to throw it to you a couple of times. And it's one of those things where I think as the season goes along, he'll get better. And I think the best part is, is you look at his eligibility. He's got so much left. So there's a <laughs> lot of time to work with for him going forward. But for this game, for this season, 
he's just a young quarterback and he's got a lot of talent. He's got all the intangibles, but just mentally it's not there yet. And so really fascinating to see what Brian Borland does. Cause I don't think of KU being as a super complex scheme. I think they do the fundamentals really well and really interesting to see if KU tries some different stuff to try and maybe put them off to where if Iowa state does go and throw, Hey, maybe he has to think a split second more and it's a bad decision or maybe Lonnie Phelps gets to him. So I think Deckers is one of these guys that in three years, he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. But I think for this season specifically, he's a guy that they're going to try and work around offensively. Well, I think, you know, they're, they they try to heat, you know, they try to get a little bit more heat with like Craig Young. Like they're trying to send Craig Young. They're just trying to send their best athlete like Ky- yeah. like Kyron Johnson last year at the quarterback a little bit because they're just trying to they're trying to generate some more quick pressure. Like and that's something that I think they're 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 emphasizing here the last couple of weeks. I agree. Like they have I'll say this. They have to they have to exit. They have to get those turnovers if they're going to win this game. Oh yeah. So those opportunities, they have to get those turnovers. They have to finish those plays or they're not going to win the game. They've got to get those opportunities. When those opportunities present themselves, they've got to, they've got to convert them. The other thing they got to do. And I was watching this. I would say has a great receiver, like a highly draftable top 50 ish, potentially type receiver in Xavier Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. And, the one thing that, and I, look, KU's defense is playing better. They're getting better. They're growing. The one thing, like that game against Duke would have looked a lot different if two, like if the offense had finished that first drive and if they could have avoided that big explosive play mm. down the sideline. Uh, I don't remember the receiver's name for Duke, but they, they threw a, a nice ball out there. It was a decent challenge at the ke- catch point for Jacoby Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, not the best, but it was it was a pretty good challenge. They've got to be better at the catch point just to eliminate those explosive down the sideline fades. Because hey, look, you want to make an inconsistent quarterback play consistently down the field. Like that's the that's the that's the philosophy I think you've got to employ. So you've got to eliminate those big explosive plays where you're you know you're just trying to chat. You know you've got to be really good challenging up at at the catch point. I'd be I'd be throwing Tanaka Scott at all those kids, all those mm-hmm. cornerbacks all week at practice. Just try to really working with a big physical guy at the catch point because I think that's going to be one of the big deciding factors is if Iowa State's able to get one of those chunk plays on those vertical shots to to a guy like Xavier Hutchinson. Well, and you mentioned tackling earlier, mm-hmm. right? Talking about the cornerbacks actually tackling against Duke. That's going to be huge because Xavier Hutchinson is a guy that will catch it eight yards from the line of scrimmage and then take it fifty. Because that's how physical he is. He's a big, you know, yards after catch guy. And I think that if Jacoby Bryant and Romello Dawson have bad tackling days after the catch, whether it be in the run game too, KU is going to be in for a long day because that means the Iowa State offense is going to be able to get rolling. Because someone like Xavier Hutchinson is just so hard to bring down that if you don't do it once he catches the ball, it's going to be really hard for Kenny Logan, OJ Burroughs, Marvin Grant to get him down. I think. I'm super high on Xavier Hutchinson. I think he's great. And he's also really good at making some of those kind of 50, 50 catches that you wouldn't look at him and think, all right, this guy's going to go up and get it, but he can do that too. Michael, if I remember correctly, didn't you write a feature on him? Yeah. Yeah. I, he's a great quote, a great quote and a great dude as well. Like he was so fun to talk to. And I think I wrote like three or four features on him throughout my time there. Yeah. I I just remember you one talking and also writing about him, but 
No, I'm, I'm really interested, especially coming off like both Romello Dotson and Kobe Bryant kind of got banged up um, from the first yeah. game that they were actually, you know, hitting as hard as like Mike Lee would or Kenny mm-hmm. Logan or whatever. Um, that was kind of those Kenny Logan injuries where I don't think we've seen <laughs> for a couple weeks now, but where Kenny Logan would get dinged up just because he would hit guys so hard. And then all of a sudden now he's down on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'll, I'll give a quick shout to Romello Dotson, who I, I thought in previous years, and I've talked with some people in the program about this, had huge tackling issues, or, or really last year had huge tackling issues. Um, I, I thought this game, he's been better all season. This last game, I, I thought he hit. He hit a number of times, and he had that one pass breakup in the end zone where he kind of batted the ball off the dude's face mm-hmm. mask, which was kind of funny. Um, he did get burned once. I think he gave up a, I think he gave up one of the touchdown catches um, for Duke, but... No, I, I think Romello Dots and Jacoby Bryant, you know, how do they feel? Are they super sore? Do they feel physically healthy? Do they feel 100%? Because if not, you may need Kalen Gervin. You may need to, I mean, whoever you feel good about on the outside at this point. I think those three guys have dominated snaps at cornerback mm-hmm. um, so far. And I'm curious how Kansas feels about the guys behind them. Makes me sad that uh, there's some Jarrett Paul rumors out there. Or that he, has he, for sure, I know that there's reports that he might have entered the portal. I don't know. Yeah. Is it for sure that he has? Uh, yeah, he's no longer on the depth chart. Okay, see, that would it would have been nice to have a Jarrett Paul around this week. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say a about Jared that. Paul, if you can find one. Um, the uh, Real quick, I want, I want to do some predictions here with everyone. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in this game because, to be honest, before I watched Iowa State Baylor, I was kind of thinking, I was pretty confident that I, I thought this would be the first time KU stumbles this year. Iowa State would win this game. Um, especially, it's just hard to win week after week after week after week. I still think Iowa State's the better team. And I think they're probably more like system-wise further along with where they are. I think KU is is very far along in what it does creatively offensively. But I, Iowa State's been a program with Matt Campbell that's just it's had pieces. It's it's grown through that. And even with this new era, um, I think they retain a lot of that. So I, I'm just, I'm still probably taking Iowa State to win this game, but First of all, if Kansas wins this game, I think the conversation becomes like, is Kansas a Big 12 title game contender? Like, wh- what? Where do you go from there? Um, but but certainly bowl game becomes a lot more, you know, obvious and, and apparent that it can it is probably almost, you know, not a certainty, but it's very, very likely to happen. Um, Swain, what's your vibe on this one? Where do you where do you see these two teams? Yeah, I'm probably similar. I think you look at it's funny that Lance Leipold said today that Iowa State's a program he wants to emulate. I mean, that's something that I've kind of mentioned to VIPs a lot is, hey, that should be the model that KU wants to go after. It's guys are staying in your program for a long time. You look at basically everyone on the two deep has been in the program for two, three years at Iowa State, which means they have a great understanding of the scheme and the tweaks that can happen. I do think they are a little bit further along. And I think across the Big 12, this is kind of statement weekend. You think about TCU and Oklahoma, how good is TCU? You think about K-State and Texas Tech, Iowa State, Kansas, like this across the Big 12 is a huge weekend in terms of learning where programs are at. And I think we'll know a lot about what the second half of the season will look like for Kansas after Saturday. I do think this is probably where Kansas gets its first loss. I think, I just think that this is a tough test for the offense. And I think, Kent, you're right. If they don't have a, a B plus game on Saturday, I think it's be really hard to win because Iowa State, although their offense, they might, it might stink. We don't know. <laughs> Um, like, I think we'll learn more about them this weekend. And if KU defensively does not play well, I just, I have a hard time seeing a victory here for Kansas. So I think my pick is Iowa state 35, Kansas 31. I, uh, I was right with you. If immediately after the game, I kind of had 
vibes of like I I don't I I think I think the the Cinderella story stops a little bit and takes a break. Um, but just with circumstantial stuff, I think I think Kansas is about to play their best game of the year. I think I think the best version of Kansas football you've seen to this point is showing up at Memorial Stadium against Iowa State this week. I think it might be enough. Honestly, I just think like when I, I, I again, I kind of talked about it. I think this team's still under the radar enough and there's a there's a layer of disrespect now that they can play. They've they've dealt with being the favorite and winning a game and taking care of business they didn't close it out to the way they wanted it. They didn't execute the way they wanted, and they still won the football game. You gave your coaching staff plenty of things to fix throughout the week, plenty of things to emphasize to refocus this football team. And you've, oh, by the way, you're an underdog at home. You're not favored in this game. I just think that there's enough circumstantially where I'm just sitting there going, we've seen what this culture has done. We've seen this process-oriented you know, group be able to kind of keep this group focused. They've had a lot of distractions the last three weeks. I mean, Lance Leipold's name was up, uh, you know, that that noise hasn't really been there this week as much as it was two weeks ago when Scott Frost got fired. The ranking stuff. Like, there's plenty of, like, they've had more distractions than they're having this week. It's kind of quiet on that front relative to everything that you've just saw. And the expectation is they're going to lose. I just think that you are going to get a very focused version of this football team this week. I think I think this is the best version you're going to see from the first five weeks. And I think it's enough to beat Iowa State because of all the things we talked about. I don't think they're I don't think they're world beaters. I think they're a very, very, very solid football team. And I think that defense is going to give the Kansas group a lot of trouble. But I think this group's going to do enough to pull it out. I have 31-28 Kansas. I, and I, I'm surprised. Like if you if you'd asked me initially on Saturday, I wouldn't have said this. But I just I, I feel good. About, I I have a good feeling about this game, and I think that there's enough to to lock this group in. Yeah, well, Ken. Two things that I'm really curious about. By the way, one, uh, I stopped doing the quarterback hand motions today, not because you bullied me out of doing them, but because I got a flu shot and my arm hurts. So that's the only reason they will be back in the next game. All right. Two things. Two things. One. <laughs> doesn't always look like that, Kent. For our podcast listeners, Kent is being hilarious. As you I'm know. mocking him, you know. Yes. One is, I, I'm so curious about personnel groupings. Mm-hmm. I, I think you both have kind of mentioned this. Wouldn't shock me if we see a lot more of, like, multiple wide receiver sets. And, and Michael, I remember you, I think, writing about this last year. And maybe, maybe it was someone else. Maybe I'm just giving you credit because you usually hone in on this stuff. But when KU kind of switched it up and went from going a little bit more run heavy to putting more wide receivers on the field. Maybe I'm thinking back to Les Miles when they started doing that. I don't know that one. It all, it all blends together. Very curious to see if they go more wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And then also KU's been a great third down team all season, yeah. which by the way, just to finish the thought needs blocking from the wide receivers. They have to be really, really good at that. Um, all year key has been good on third downs. I think the, the reason why is because they've been good on first and second down. So they've gotten into a lot of third and fourth and short. Mm-hmm. Um, I, to me, most important game of the season, bar none um, to this point, obviously of converting third and fourth downs. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think they're going to be in a lot of third and shorts, fourth and shorts. Yep. I don't know that this is a team Kent, like you were talking about. You just want to line up and try and run it on them. Um, you know, at least straightforward. You don't want to less miles it. I think you want to do something creative or schematic or to give yourself an advantage. 
And I think that's where this game is won. Like if we come back here and Kansas was four of 15 or something on third down, then I think obviously Kansas lost. But if Kansas eight of 12, something like that on third downs, and they got into a lot of third and shorts, then I think they're going to win this game. That's where I see it at least. One more thing. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring a Will McDonald to the conversation hmm. here. He's, he's still in go college. To, he's still Ow. in college. And he might break Von Miller's Big 12 sack record. He is so close to it. And that is the guy that I look at on Saturday. Earl Bostic did not have a great game last week. And that is the one guy, and I'm fascinated to talk to him Wednesday and see where his mindset's at after a bad game, right? His first one of the season, I would say. Will McDonald's a game wrecker. And if he has a really good game and he draws two holding calls, those are two drives I think you can say KU's going to punt and or settle for a field goal. And I think he's the one guy that if Kansas can stop on Iowa State's defense, things are going to get a lot easier in terms of their ability to throw the ball and give Jalen Daniels time. Because what we haven't really seen so far this season is Jalen being forced to throw while also being under pressure. It just hasn't been a ton of those situations, I think, this year. He's been under pressure and made plays, but times when maybe he doesn't have to throw. And what happens when it's third and long and Will McDonald is bearing down on him? What happens? I think those, for me, are some of the moments where – I think this game will be won or lost because that's what's going to determine is this a B plus or higher game or is this a B or lower game for the offense? I real quick before we get out of here too. I know we've said like six times on the show. Um, I think this could be a Jared Casey lining up as an H back type of game. Mm. I think he can mm. kind of help them account for some of the, you know, the, the ch- trying to change some gaps and add some gaps in the run game with the front that that what that Iowa State uses, you've got to get creative. You're going to have to pull some tackles to create some gaps uh, and to add some gaps that you know, you're going to force Iowa State to fill. But also you can do that with an H fullback type player. I think that could be Jared Casey. That could be a place that he kind of gets introduced as well. So yeah, maybe it's three receivers, Jared Casey and a running back. Could be a little bit more of that, but you're seeing him more in the backfield. So you're getting three three receivers kind of out there and some of those kind of stuff. That sounds Unbal- like a bad sitcom, Ken. Three receivers, Jared Casey, and a running back. I would watch that though, actually. I think I would watch a couple episodes of that. That is totally on Hulu. This is on YouTube, though. They please uh hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Thanks to Michael Swain for coming and hanging out. Go subscri- subscribe to 24-7 Sports. It is absolutely outstanding. Um it, in Mike Mike. Nope. He goes by Michael. I'm I'm it Kent showed impressive, shocking restraint by waiting this long to do that. I I don't even know if that was intentional or if he just thought about it on the spot. Uh he Michael does a great job, and I really just wanted to troll him before we get out of here. But we are getting out of here. That's been booth review. We will talk to you after the KU Iowa State game. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.